0: Chapter five and verse number two, Micah chapter five and verse number two. I want to read one passage of scripture. Amen. It's good to see everybody. If I start naming names, I'm going to leave somebody out. But if you're here and you are a guest here, we say to you, you are so welcome. And we're glad to see you as we always are. Amen. I'm glad there's always a home away from home. And so if home right now is not here, you always know there's a place where you can come home. Amen. Praise God. Anybody thankful for his anointing, the presence of God? Thank you, Lord. I want to say a great big thank you to uh, all of our musicians and uh, singers and choir and all the work and effort they're putting in to turning the page and raising the bar, and they've been a tremendous blessing. You don't realize, you probably do, so I shouldn't say it that way, but let me just say it that way. You don't realize what you have. I said, you don't realize what you have. They do a fantastic job. I stand over there, and I am absolutely amazed, and tonight, I don't know if you could even say it, if it's proper to say it, but that wasn't completely the A-team. There was some B-team folks up there, and they were doing a fabulous job. Brother Gabriel playing the bass this morning and tonight. Fantastic, my friend. Huh? Man. He's putting in the work and the time and the effort. You have to have the want to, and he's doing that. Brother Ethan playing the drums, doing a fantastic job. And so they're plugging in a few folks. And it's good to have Brother Colby back from vacation. Right. Keep on playing there, brother. Keep on playing there. Right on. Amen. Amen. They put a lot of time and effort weekly into what they do and even beso- before service, practicing uh, both services this morning. And so I want to make sure that we show some great, great ap- appreciation for their time. And their effort. Praise God. So it's good to be in the house of God tonight. If you have your Bibles, Micah chapter five, verse number two. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. Whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And for a few moments tonight, I want to talk about the God that moves into the neighborhood, the God that moves into the neighborhood. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. We ask that you to direct us and guide us in your word tonight. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. God bless you. you can be seated. The Genesis account provides to us and tells us the background of humanity and the ugly development of its plight and make a decision, and it's the wrong decision. And so because of it, there is a curse upon the man, a curse upon the woman, and a curse upon the serpent. And that is still a battle that continues even to this day. It's one of the reasons why I hate sin. Sin has consequences and ramifications, and there is a ripple effect that affects everybody, and then it ripples out into various stages. You should have a heart that says, I want to cleave to that which is good, and I want to abhor that which is evil. I don't care what the world tells you about how fun it is and that there are no consequences. There's always consequences. And so they market a scheme, but the Scripture is still the Scripture, and it's still right. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. I want to hang on to the anointing of God, the blessings of God, the ability of God. I want to run as fast as I can from a trick of the enemy, a lie of the devil, the accuser of the brethren. I want to be found in the house of God and his anointing to direct me to that which is good. And what we have felt in the house of God tonight is a good thing. Praise God. And so through disobedience, sin enters into the human race. And there is this gulf that is fixed between divinity and humanity. There is a struggle between God and humanity. You see it in the Old Testament. There is a God that is trying to reach, but a humanity that is not wanting to stand up and do its part. And so there is a struggle. God remains the same. No matter what happens, God is the same, the essence of God is still the same from the very beginning. No matter what happens in terms of this gulf that is between God and humanity, he's always the same. He is always light. When there is darkness that appears, he is a light. When there is death, God is always the same in that he is coming to bring to us life and life more abundantly when there is hate and confusion and dysfunction God always steps in and provides a way of love and so when there's darkness know that there's a God that brings light when there is death know that there is a God that brings life and when there is hate know that there's a God that's always reaching to love and so no matter what the failures of humanity are God always stays the same there is no variableness nor is there any turning in him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the beginning, and he is the end. And he's still doing the same work that he's always done. I may have a struggle, and I may have difficulties from day to day to day, but I'm thankful that every day there's a God that is the same. No matter what I'm going through, I may be on the mountaintop, and God is God. And I may be in the valley, but God is still God. He's unchangeable. He's unshakable. He's unmovable. Praise God. Someone clap your hands unto the Lord. Can he say praise the Lord? He does not change. He is the same. And so when humanity can't reach God, God continues to reach out to humanity. And in this scripture that we have read, there is going to be one that comes out of Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And it's going to be one that saves. It's going to be one whose goings forth have been from old and from everlasting. This is the mission of God. God is always reaching. Even in this service tonight, God has reached for every single person in this place. And you can respond to that reaching or you can reject that reaching. I want to go on record here tonight and say I want to reach for him when he is reaching to me. And the reason why I want to do that is because there have been moments in my life that I couldn't reach out toward him and for him. But he's always been there to reach out for me. My feet were in the miry clay, but God continued not to reject me, but to reach out for me. Praise God. This self-revelation of God. He moves into the neighborhood. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. God moves into the neighbor. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God becomes incarnated. God moves into the realm of who we are. God knows exactly where you are tonight and he knows what you're facing and what you're going through and all the questions and all the turmoil and everything. God knows that. Why? Because God moved in the mission of God. He moved into the neighborhood. He became as we are so that he could understand everything that we go through. Praise God. He came to bridge the gap between God and man. This is why the scripture says there is one God and one me mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. This is why in 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God has come to do a work, to bring things back together, things that were apart, things that were destroyed. And there is a reconciliation that he's trying to woo humanity back into, not making the wrong. Decisions, decision but making the right decision the decision that they made separated the decision that they made confirmed that there was a rebellion in their own heart and life but God has always been interested in the business of reaching out to seek and to save those that are lost this is why John said behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world this This was God's business. This was God's work. And He calls us with an invitation to say, We can take up the same business and the same work. We live in a fallen world and hurting people, but there's a God that's still reaching. There's a God that's still reaching. The reconciliation is accomplished through Calvary and the empty tomb is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that sets the stage for a continuation of his work that's found in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you, everyone say me, shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You shall receive power and you shall, you and me, we shall be witnesses of his power and his ability. This is a call to a participation. You came tonight in the house of God and you're sitting on a church pew and you were just here as a spectator. God's calling you to be more than a spectator. He is calling you to be a participator in what he is doing, the mission of God, the work of God, just as Jesus became flesh. So this word in us and the power of God in us requires us to do and take up the same duty as Jesus did in our world. We are here to participate in God's goodness and his power. Tonight, even tonight, there has been opportunity to participate in what God is doing, to say, God, it may not be for me, but I want to get in the vein of your anointing and in the vein of your presence and in the vein of your power so that I can be a participator in what you are wanting to do. And what are you wanting to do? You're wanting to save somebody. You're wanting to strengthen somebody. You're wanting to put an anointing on somebody. You're wanting to elevate somebody. And I have the opportunity to be involved in that work. This is our ability and this is our participation in what God is doing. We are supposed to move into the neighborhood just as he stepped into a world. I want to be very clear about something. This is not our mission. It's God's mission. We get it confused sometimes. We're just the participants in what God is doing because if we say it's our doing, then it resides in who we are and it gets stuck there. It's not about who I am, but it's about what God is doing. Praise God, Revival is not brought about by somebody that comes in and preaches. Revival is brought about because this is what God is doing. And God calls us to participate in what he's doing. And so when revival is breaking out, God wants somebody to step up and say, I recognize the business of God and I'm going to be involved in that business. I not sit and stay idle and stay apathetic and just sit somewhere and allow somebody else to do the work. But God help me be the one that steps up and says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to worship. I'm going to teach. I'm going to proclaim. Come on, clap your hands and thank the Lord together. God has called us to participate church does not have a mission god's mission has a has a church our mission is everybody's got mission statements nowadays our church doesn't have a mission god's mission has a church god's doing something and he's got a church to make that happen we can never get to the place where We lose the business of God when we become satisfied and comfortable. When you read an early account, they poured out of an upper room with an attitude that said we've got to be about the father's business. And they went out and they preached and they taught and they did everything that they could and it impacted and influenced their world. But at some point, 300 years down the road, it lost its fervor for the business of God and the mission of God. And somehow it became institutionalized in in a way in where they tried to preserve the institution instead of being involved in the mission. I want to tell you tonight, I'm thankful for 75 years of history, but 75 of years of history, if we get stuck on that, that's a dangerous place. We can't get stuck on years of history, and the reason why we're not stuck on years of history is because we understand and recognize it's God's work and God's business that has provided the opportunity for that. we still got to preach. We've still got to reach people. People still need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Altars still have to be full of people who are repentant. There still has to be somebody receiving the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Let's be a participant in the mission of God. God, I want you to do great things. I want revival. And so they became very institutionalized. Everything turned inward. And so they started focusing on the local body. And the focus was on the meeting of the needs of the community of believers. Because we've got a church here now. We're satisfied and we're comfortable. And so now instead of it being about a church moving outward, it became about trying to shore up everything that we've already retained. I'll tell you, I'll be very, very honest. I'm very uncomfortable with that kind of thing. You know what happens when we get in that kind of place and we start turning inward? We start eating at each other. It's very, very difficult to do that when you're teaching Bible studies and you're hitting the streets and you're, you're, you're understanding the, the presence of God and participating in God's ability because you don't don't have time to do a lot of that other stuff because you're so focused on where it should be and the focus should be on the mission of God. I'm going to be involved in what God is doing. When we turn inward then all of a sudden bad things start happening. God help us understand that every Sunday school child that sits over there on a Sunday morning is an opportunity. Help me be a participant in that Lord. You can reach out and save somebody from that. Every person that steps up to that welcome center is not about retaining who, who we are, but it's about reaching somebody else. Praise God. I hope you've got a burden for the mission of God tonight. It would become very easy to just thank God for all that he's done, but there needs to be something that continues to push us and move us and motivate us. I can't get satisfied. There's got to be a move of the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to be saved. Somebody needs to come out of a world of sin. Some Somehow, we've got to reach them. You can look at this in history. You can see it taking place in the creeds. As The mission becomes about preservation and self-interest. The Augsburg Confession of 1530 declares the church is the congregation of the saints in which the gospel is purely taught and the sacraments are rightly administered. (laughs) The Anglican 39 articles affirm the visible church of Christ is a congregation of faithful men in the which the pure word of God is preached and the sacraments be duly ministered. The Heidelberg Catechism of 1563. That out of the whole human race from the beginning to the end of the world, the Son of God by His Spirit and Word gathers, defends, and preserves for Himself unto everlasting life and elect community in the unity of true faith. And so this gospel became more about congregation and preservation and not about the mission of God. What happened to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? That says, you shall be witnesses all over the entire world. What happened to that? What happened to chapter 28 and verse 19 of Matthew that says, go ye into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, singular, a name that's above every name. What happened was the mission became lost. And when it becomes lost, then it becomes a matter of self-interest and preservation. People like John Calvin and Martin Luther started resisting the commands of Matthew 28, 19. And they started promoting the idea of who are we to say who is saved and who is lost. They got so caught up in who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. And they forgot the mission of God is to reach everybody. Everybody. Their answer to that was only God knows. And this became a lack of mission. And so then Christianity became disinterested. And if you gave a little offering, you were doing your duty. You could feel good about yourself if you came to church. You were doing your duty. And that was good enough. And so as a result, it removed the need of personal commitment to the cause of Calvary, the mission of God. And so what happened is Christians started living and working and playing, but never sharing the gospel for which they had been empowered. God didn't give you the Holy Ghost so that you could just sit on a church pew and feel good about yourself. God, I hope I make some of you angry tonight. What are you doing in the kingdom of God? If all you're doing is just sitting there saying, God, thank you for your many blessings, something is wrong because the Holy Ghost is supposed to empower you, give you power to reach out and tell somebody else that there is a God that saves What did the Old Testament say? One of the greatest promises in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, I will make thee a great nation, speaking to Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great, and you'll be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The overriding emphasis is God's people being the means of blessing to the nations around them. God called you to be a blessing to those that are nearby you. God called you not to give the world an unfavorable testimony. God called you to testify. I once was lost, but God picked me out of all of that mess and that confusion and that dysfunction and all of those torn relationships and difficulties in my life and God established me and gave me a purpose and gave me an identity, not just to go monday tuesday wednesday thursday looking for friday and saturday only to repeat the same thing over and over but he put something in my heart and in my life and he gave me the opportunity to participate in what he's doing to reach somebody else for his glory should be normative in the church to be reaching out to people. Praise God. Look on the pew where you are. There are spaces in between you and the next person. That space is for somebody. I said that space is for somebody. And God has empowered you through the Holy Ghost to be a witness so that somebody could feel that spot. Praise God. We need somebody excited about living for God. Not I want to preserve something, but somebody that's passionate about the Holy Ghost, passionate about the goodness of God, passionate about the mercy of God, passionate about the grace of God that is able to reach to the uttermost, passionate about revival. The mission of God should move us to decision and action. God didn't give you the Holy Ghost to give you a sense of accomplishment, but he gave you the Holy Ghost so that there would be power, power. Mission is going. Mission is reaching. Mission is proclaiming. Mission is telling. Praise God. God calls us to participate in what he is doing. Mission is serving. It's serving. It is serving others. It's serving the community. It's serving everybody in this place. Individuals here tonight that were praying and seeking God. We're serving. Because we were connected to what God is wanting to do in this place. And I believe tonight God was wanting to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. And I'm hoping somebody received the Holy Ghost and renewing in the Holy Ghost tonight. Because God's interested in that. He is not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. That excites me. That thrills me. That encourages me. Look at this and you see this all throughout scripture. God needed a people to save a people in Egypt, but he had to have a faithful Joseph to participate. When God got ready to lead his people out of Egypt, he needed a Moses that would participate in what he was doing. When God wanted to kill a giant, it took a David who was willing to participate in what God was wanting to do. And there are many Many examples. One of the things that come out of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 40 is when he is at the end of his life and he is moving, making a move to Calvary and knowing what that is going to entail and the suffering and the persecution and the weight of that, he asked his disciple to pray. And in verse number 40 of chapter 26, he cometh unto the disciples and finds them asleep. And he says unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? What did he want? He wanted somebody to participate in what he is doing somebody that would be interested in what God was doing. This was one of the greatest prayers of all time. This was the final prayer before crucifixion. This was an opportunity to submit to the will of God. He was doing what he was doing for the salvation of the entire world and yet the disciples could not remain interested even for just one hour. When we get interested in what God is doing and we get interested in God's showing us some things. There's going to be some examples that follow from that. There's going to be some earth-shattering things that takes place. There's going to be signs, miracles, and wonders because God always does what he's supposed to do. But if he can just get somebody else on board to do their part, he's not going to do it by himself. But he calls us to participate in what he is doing look at this and you can find that he's already at work, he's already at work in Acts chapter 8 the Ethiopian eunuch is being challenged by the prophet Isaiah and he's reading this, he doesn't understand and yet he's the right man for the right time and he's Approaching God for the right reasons, and in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 26, the angel of the Lord speaks to Philip. Philip is in the middle of a revival, and he tells Philip, Leave what you're doing and go down here because there is a man that is hungry for me. And so, he finds the Ethiopian eunuch in a desert somewhere. God is already at work, he's already working on an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's got to find somebody that is willing to walk away away from whatever they're doing and go out there and administer the word of God more clearly and so he does that and the man is baptized in Jesus name he says here is much water what doth hinder me to be baptized let's do this right here what I'm saying is God is already at work he's just reaching for somebody to participate God's calling people in this city who are hungry they may be walking out of that food max and they may feel the presence of God. All they're waiting for is somebody to participate in what he's already doing. Say, well, I would love to be used of God. I want to be used of God. I wish doors would open. God's already working. That's the whole point. We just got to have the ability to say, I want to participate. I want to be sensitive to what you're doing. I want to reach out and respond to the work of God. Saul is on the road to Damascus. God's working on him, wants to save him, knocks him off a horse. Acts chapter 9, it was Ananias who was the participant in what God was doing to meet with Paul. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is visited by an angel and he's given instructions as to what he should do. And it was Peter who went up on the housetop to pray that God began to deal with him and say, there is a man by the name of Cornelius and his household searching for me. I need to link you up with them. And Peter was a participant. God is already working. God is already doing it. God is already calling. God is always drawing. But what he's looking for is somebody to step up and say, Here am I, Lord. I want to be in the middle of what you are doing. When we get involved in the idea and the understanding that God has a work, he's got a mission, and so I want to be a part of that. I want to get in that. I want to become participants in what he is doing in the world. There are great things that can happen. Hallelujah. But it takes somebody that steps up to the plate that says I'm not coming here just to put in a little offering and put in a little tithe. I'm not coming here just to be faithful and sit on a pew but God I want you to call me to greater things I want to be a participant in the mission of God. I want to reach out in every, every area that I can. I am dissatisfied where I am. I need somebody to testify to. I need to teach a Sunday school class. I need to get involved in some kind of servitude just coming is not enough. I want to be involved in the mission of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. If that's all I can do, I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray for every ministry. I'm going to pray for every leader. I'm going to do my part. I want to be a participant in what God is doing. There's so much that can be done in a local church that many times is done by so few god rip us out of that mentality Help us, O Lamb of God, not rely on 20% of the people to do 80% of the work, but help 80% to recognize and understand God has called me to be a part of what he is doing. And everything I'm doing is his story. It's not my story. It's not my testimony. It's God's testimony that impacted and touched me. Hallelujah. I shouldn't even be here. Hallelujah. Because God has done something with my life and grafted me in to a greater story, a greater understanding of what he wants to do. God shake us. God deliver us. We live in a world that's going to hell in a handbasket, whatever that means. We live in a world that's confused and mixed up, but God's calling us to participate in this time now, not tomorrow, not sometime down the road, but now now. God, you're reaching this city. Reach Bakersfield, California. Do a work before we even get there, work on somebody's heart and life before we even are introduced to them. Praise God, let's stand to our feet together tonight. We need to be about servitude. God, how can I be a servant in the kingdom of God? Praise God, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? In a few days, we're going to have a servitude service. As we approach the 238 Youth Conference, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to plug in and serve. Why? Because we want to serve young people that are coming. We want to serve our own young people. We want to make opportunity for revival to break out in their midst in their lives. And so I want to be involved in the kingdom of God. This should be a seminal question that every single one of us ask. Praise God. I'm not putting condemnation on anybody. I'm trying to inspire you. Praise God. If you're just sitting, you need to get involved in something. Hello. I said you should be involved in something. Say, well, I don't have talents or I don't have abilities. Then be somebody that prays for everything else and let that be your contribution and your part. It is necessary and it is needed. But what is not needed, what cannot be, what cannot take place is for people to just spectate. If you're a part of this church, GBFPC, you're a part of the greatest thing that there is in the world because God has called us to participate in what he is doing. I want to reach out, I want to respond to it I want to be the best that I can be So that I can see God do great things In the lives of individuals Praise God, even in this building tonight There are individuals in this place that are hurting That are broken, that are looking for answers Or maybe they just don't even know what they need And There's a God that brings salvation and strength to us because that's his mission, that's his purpose. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. God is calling each and every one of us to get involved in his story. In his story, in his story. You passionate about the things of God tonight? You hungry for baptisms to be full? and a baptismal tank to be full. Are you hungry for somebody to receive the Holy Ghost? Are you hungry for somebody to break chains that there are no answers for? There's no way it's going to be resolved unless God steps in and becomes a miracle worker. I want that to I understand and recognize I can't do that on my own, but it's not about me doing it on my own. It's about me being a participant in what God wants to do, and he wants to reconcile. He wants to save. When God moves in the neighborhood, he establishes himself through Calvary in a great way. And he calls the church to do the same thing in their neighborhood. Help us to have the same impact of Calvary in our neighborhood. In the lives of somebody that enters through these doors. Or even outside these doors. Help us to have the same impact. Lord, I thank you and praise you and worship you. And know that this message tonight is a call to action. A call to servitude. A call to reflection. A call to understanding of where you have placed us and what you have put us in. I thank you for all the blessings. I thank you for everything you've done. But that's not what should motivate us. And that should not that should not be what drives us. What should be what drives us to see people in altars with their hands lifted up seeking you? What should drive us is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. What should drive us is baptizing somebody in Jesus name. Praise God. Help us, O Lamb of God, to reach our city from every age demographic, from young people to young families, to elders, to adults. In Jesus' name, we give to you thanks and praise you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Let's pray.